0: Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast recorded November 15, 2022. I'm Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. Today in the podcast, we reflect on hot topics and some of the more interesting things we saw and heard last week. Three big things you need to know. First, we generally see last week's cooler than expected inflation print as constructive for U.S. equities with a few caveats. Second, while we see the anticipated outcome of the midterm elections as supportive of stocks, we find that we're less excited than others as we think a divided government has been getting baked in since the mid-October lows and worry that any incremental upside in 4Q borrows against 2023's potential gains. And third, 3Q reporting season has revealed a softening of the earnings backdrop with the best trends in energy and small cap. If you'd like to hear more, here's another 10 minutes. We're a little longer than usual this week as the podcast will be taking a break next week for Thanksgiving. As always, while you're waiting, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and other platforms. Now let's jump into the details, starting with takeaway number one. We generally see last week's cooler-than-expected CPI print as constructive for U.S. equities with a few caveats. What we like is that the deceleration and inflation that many equity investors have been expecting and hoping for finally materialized. In our view, the chances have improved that a bit that the Fed will end hikes sooner rather than later, our house view is for the last hike in March, and that a short, shallow near-term recession rather than a deeper, longer-term one will be end up what we're getting. One thing we don't like is that the S&P 500 has lost its valuation appeal again. Following last week's bounce, S&P 500 PEs are near average on consensus earnings forecasts and a bit above average on RBC's EPS forecasts. Not frothy by any stretch, but lacking the appeal we'd been seeing back around the October lows. We also don't like the potential for hawkish Fed rhetoric to make a comeback to keep financial conditions from getting too loose. We've already gotten a flavor of that from Waller. More hawkish rhetoric, even in the context of a debate between hawks and doves, likely adds to stock market volatility in the months ahead. What moderating inflation means for U.S. equities broadly is a complicated affair as well, given that inflation expectations are still generally elevated versus history despite having come in a bit. The main thing we've been communicating to investors on this point lately is that moderating inflation is a headwind for S&P 500 earnings due to its impact on revenues. But moderating inflation should still allow for some modest P.E. expansion in the year ahead based on our analysis of the relationship between interest rates, inflation, and S&P 500 P.E.s dating back to the 70s, just at levels below what investors have become accustomed to in recent years. Similarly, positioning in U.S. equities and U.S. households seems likely to come under pressure as inflation moderates, but a higher than expected run rate may provide something of a buffer. We've been highlighting how U.S. equities as a percent of total financial assets, net of cash and bonds, tends to track CPI over time. Moderating inflation seems likely to be accompanied by lower U.S. equity exposure, but higher levels of inflation relative to recent history may serve to prop up that positioning, if that's what we end up getting. Moving on to takeaway number two. We see the midterm election results as good for stocks, but we're just not as excited as everyone else seems to be. As of Tuesday morning, the Senate was projected to stay under Democratic control. House control had not yet been called, though the Republicans still appeared to have a slight edge. NBC News was projecting that Republicans would win 220 House seats versus 215 for Democrats. Although Republicans underperformed expectations and got a red ripple rather than a red wave, for now the market still appears to have gotten the divided government it wanted. So what does this mean for stocks going forward in the near term? If Republicans don't end up taking the House, we see it as a negative stock market event in the short term. And if the House does go to Republicans as anticipated, we think a lot of it may be baked in already. In our view, the stock market has been baking in the return of a divided government since the mid-October 2022 low in the S&P 500, which occurred right in line with where the index historically bottoms on average before a midterm election day. Additionally, the move seen in the stock market since the mid-October 2022 low has exceeded the typical midterm bounce already. To be fair, there is some precedence for the stock market to move up a bit more than it has already in midterm election years. As we've highlighted before, 2022 has been tracking 2002 rather closely in the S&P 500, and that year the S&P 500 experienced a 21% bounce off its pre-midterm low before topping out in November. But if that's what happens this time around, we think it will probably be something other than confirmation of a narrow majority in the House that will take the stock market there. Republicans winning both chambers could have caused that kind of reaction in the S&P, but it simply didn't materialize. Longer term, i.e. into 2023, we see the results of the midterms as supportive of the stock market. The S&P 500 has risen 14% on average under a Democratic president and split Congress. Further spending packages seem unlikely, which would be seen by market participants as adding to the U.S.'s inflation problem. And dating back to the 1970s, the S&P has tended to post gains in the fourth quarter of midterm years as well as the following calendar year. But as we look at all this data, we also find ourselves thinking that the bullish narrative on the longer term implications has been a little oversimplified and a little overstated in recent days by some of our peers in the strategy community. In our investor meetings last week, one thing we kept pointing out was that in three of the past four midterm election years, the stock market has rallied in the fourth quarter, but has only seen flattish or mildly positive returns in the following year. The more the stock market rallies after this midterm in the fourth quarter, the more we'll worry that investors are borrowing against 2023's potential gains. We'll wrap up with takeaway number three on 3Q reporting season. The earnings backdrop is softening, though the sharp cuts investors have wanted still haven't materialized, and we're seeing relative strength in energy and small caps and relative weakness in communication services. With 91% of S&P and 61% of Russell 2000 results in as of last Thursday, here are the stats jumping out to us right now. Overall, 70% of S&P companies are beating consensus earnings and sales, weaker than recent quarters. Small caps are not quite as strong as large cap. 60% are beating on earnings and 63% on revenues, but small caps do have a better trend as their stats here are stable versus past quarters. We're also seeing mostly downward revisions for both the S&P 500 and Russell 2000 right now to earnings forecasts, but we're still seeing slightly more upward revisions in small cap than large cap, helping to explain why small caps have started to outperform large caps recently. While we think 2023 numbers need to come down for the S&P 500, keeping stocks volatile for a few more quarters, the good news is that stocks tend to bottom three to six months before earnings revisions stop falling. Bottom-up 2023 consensus S&P EPS forecasts have inched lower by another dollar this week to 232, still well above our own forecast of 208. Beneath the surface, earnings and revenue growth forecasts have been moving up for 3Q but down for 4Q, and margin forecasts are down for both 3Q and 4Q. At the sector level, energy is seeing the most earnings beats in the S&P 500, while tech is seeing the most earnings beats in the Russell 2000, something that surprised us a little bit. Communication services and materials beat rates are low versus other sectors in both small cap and large cap. Within the Russell 1000, earnings beats have been rewarded the most in materials and industrials, while misses have been punished most in communication services and tech. Within the Russell 2000, earnings beats have been most rewarded in financials and energy, while misses have been hit hardest in communication services and technology. When looking at earnings sentiment, no sector is seeing mostly positive earnings revisions right now in either the S&P 500 or the Russell 2000, though a few sectors are still seeing positive revenue revisions. That list includes utilities and REITs in the S&P 500 and energy, financials, and utilities in the Russell 2000. In percentage terms, 2023 EPS revenue and margin forecasts have been coming down for most S&P sectors. For the third quarter, trends have been mixed by sector on earnings and revenue forecasts with consumer staples, energy, healthcare, and utilities all moving up a little bit on both. In other words, we are seeing a bit of resilience in some of those more defensive and commodity driven areas. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. And be sure to check out RBC's new macro podcast, Macro Minutes, for thoughts from RBC's team of strategists and analysts in rates, economics, FX, equities, and other areas.